We are talking about creative mashing techniques specific to high gravity brewing today. Go tea! <laughs> break. Hot break. Hot break. That was good. That was good. <laughs> I feel like there's dad jokes to there's like brewer jokes. So that's, that's right. really good brewer joke. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then there, yeah. There are just complete nerd jokes. So today we are focusing on the mash. And well, I guess not specifically, yeah, mash, no, but not specifically. Um, we're talking about, you know, not letting your mash ton size cramp your brewing style. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. How you can brew high ABV beers or higher volume batches using the equipment that you have without having to upgrade. Yes. And um, this was actually a proposal that Rachel and I submitted for the homebrew conference uh, yes. that was that was not selected. Totally fine. D died. Um, maybe we'll do it in the future. But but I, I would a like, really good topic. I would like to know it received high notes. It did. It, it, high scores. And we do believe that it was denied because Jed submitted 17 other proposals. I did not. It, and 16 it was, of them got chosen. <laughs> okay. Well, that's partially true. I think that but they, they that's realized what I like that, to believe. Yes. They were like, too much Jed. Too much Jed. Yeah, exactly. You I gotta mean, there's no such love. Thing. There's no such like, thing Rachel, as much Rachel's not a home brewer. She's a professional brewer. Granted, I, never, I had a little bit of home brewing, but it wasn't how it started out. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's fine. So here it, we are. Yeah. So yes. Here we are. I mean, I still am presenting at HomebrewCon. No, no. Yeah. No, she's all over the board. Yes. Yeah. She's like but, all over the, the, the program. Yes. Like uh, every yes. other. Jid. 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 I'm just kidding. <laughs> how, but, how, what, what, what are you presenting at HomebrewCon? Let's let the, let's let through now. I am presenting a Pyrograniac's Guide to Smoked Beer. Okay, that's way better than this episode. So, what else? Well, that's I'm it. Kidding. I'm just kidding. That's, it's not. It's not it. better. It's uh. It's different. Equally exciting, but you're doing something else, right? Too. Nope. Just that one. Just that one. God damn. Yes, but all right. It's you know kind of like this this whole idea of the podcast. Rachel and I put oh, together this proposal of what you know <laughs> what. Serious would be applicable to brewers, specifically home brewers. And, yes. you know, a lot of this has come directly from my personal experience, our personal experience, actually yep. in, at pilot in a professional brewing setting and not being able to present it at homebrew con didn't mean that it's not a good topic oh, to talk I, about. I just busted her. her oh chops. yeah. No, no, no. Just busted her chops. Oh, just, uh, just play it. But we were talking about it and decided, you know, we should just do an episode about oh, it's, this as it's well. A great like conversation. We have an outline. I have a I have a perfect example. You know, at Pilot Brewery, we do a lot of guest brews. Uh silent auction winners, try to raise money for charity, stuff like that. So recently we just did one. We're catching up from COVID, actually. We're like they've been a hold for a while. And the guy was like, I really, really want eight eight head a half percent alcohol. Like my, my IPA to be eight and a half percent alcohol. I was like, okay, okay. well, here, here's the thing. Like the, he wanted this. This is like to him, this is important. There's lots of things your, your IPA, your IPA could be. This is what he wanted. I was like, well, here's the thing, dude, we could do that, but it's going to have a, oh, side note. He also wanted to take a keg home. Now, if you know anything about brewing a small batch pilot brewery, 
which is only a half barrel worth, like uh, 15 gallons worth of beer, 15 and a half gallons worth of beer. It's not a lot. We're definitely not going to let you take a keg home unless you pay the right pace. So we're like, all right, look, you want to take a keg home? It's going to be this amount, amount of money. He's like, whatever. I don't care. It's my beer. I take a keg home. Like, cool. Here's the okay. thing. Here's the thing. You want an eight and a half percent alcohol, but I have my mash tide only holds 33, 34 pounds of grain. And that's only going to yield a certain amount of sugar. Now, yes, I could add some uh, some extra sugar in the boil and, and get this ABV up. Right. But at, at the end of the day, you're not going to get a whole 15 and a half gallons worth of beer at that alcohol level that you want. It's not going to happen now. You could get that alcohol you want at 10 gallons of beer or maybe 12. But uh, you're not going to be able to take that keg home. <laughs> so, and he was like, well, can I just pay the extra money? I was like, no, no, that's not how this works. It's a, you want more beer. It's a whole separate brew, right, at this point. Like, I right. am backseat out my mash tun. My mash chud at a max out, no sugar at it, or maybe sugar at it, like 7% beer. He wants eight and a half. Like, it's not going to happen. Right. So I had to explain it. He's like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. We'll go to the lower alcohol. So that lower alcohol, more value. Right. But the idea of this is higher alcohol, right? So we're here talking about how you can achieve that. So before we do that, we've talked a couple of times about the mash ton and the mash and the sugar and how, you know, that obviously you can tell from context clues relates to the ABV. So we have talked before about mash and mash ton and what that means. But as a quick reminder, Rachel, when we're talking about the mash and the mash ton, like what step, what ingredients are we talking about in the brew? Yes, you're absolutely correct. So the mash, creating the mash is the first step of all grape brew. You're going to take your barley, your wheat, your rye, your oats, whatever you have decided on your beer, beer recipe, and you will mix that with a, a build version of that with the water. Creates a porridge like substance. And what you're doing is creating sugar water in this mash tun. Uh, that amount of sugar created in your sugar water is going to give you a certain amount of gravity level, right? So reaching a higher gravity level it requires more sugar but your mash tun that holds all that malt sugar all that bar- barley sugar reaches a certain point where it literally could just not fit any more malt and right. if you try to impact it too much you're going to get less distraction from that mash so you can't just like stuff it in there or you're because what will happen clubs will happen Water won't be able to run through it. He won't be able to extract all that sugar. So you have there's a fine line of too much and of of the the top about and too much. So you have to be careful of that, right? Well, and it's like I mean anything, but if you think about making a bowl of cereal, you pour the cereal in, right? You pour in the grain, and then you add the liquid, and you can fill it up to the tippy top. But then what happens when you try to like put your spoon in there is that you're immediately displacing that and it's overflowing. Yeah. And like Rachel said, like, you know, still sticking with the cereal analogy, if it's packed too tightly in the bowl, when you're going to take bites, there's going to be some that's dry, like you're just not getting a very good mixture. So 
the this is something as somebody who enjoys high ABV beers, um, I have had I have used a couple of the methods we're going to talk about to achieve those because yeah, your mash tun size is fixed. You yes. and the solution is not just go buy a bigger mash tun because that's no. expensive. Yeah. Uh, so it's how do you work more efficiently with the mash tun that you have? And again, this is applicable if you're a home brewer or a pro brewer. Yep. Exactly. So let's talk about what I think was um, ended up being one of the more fun brew days in my professional or home brewing career, although it did not feel like it at the time. I do know um, the story. Yes. I'm proud is, of this story. <laughs> um, making using a polyguile. And we yes. did this at Pilot with my barley wine. Actually, all of my stories I have today involve me brewing barley wine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and different well, ways appropriate. That I, right different ways that I have made I have gotten around the fact that I have a limited mash on size yeah. uh, but on this particular brew day we were joined by our friend Jared who is now at Model A Brewing in South yes. Carolina and he came to help specifically because I had mentioned that we were going to use the polygale technique and he was super excited to see it happen yeah and during I, this day, I love him. He's so yes. Great. The beer, uh, a naming convention for barley wine is old something. And um, so there's like old foghorn, um, old vertical, or not, oh, old horizontal, not old vertical. I never put that together. Really? I never realized that old was a, yeah, I mean, like, you know, like uh, when you do the double bock and the aider. I feel it's yes. kind of like that. Yes, I, yeah. I, I did not put that really? together. Yeah. yeah. So particularly with um, God, I love learning new stuff. Right. Love learning. But that's the reason why, um, or part of the reason so. why the barley wine was named Old Lights Out. The second part of the reason why it was called Old Lights was Out was because <laughs> the electricity <laughs> went out. I thought it was when we were brewing. I didn't even know old yes. was a thing. Yes. Yeah. So it was oh. Old Lights Out. Um, and, but it ended up being like an 11 and a half percent barley wine. So lights out, you know, Oh, like ruffian. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. <laughs> old horizontal, old ruffian, old foghorn, old foghorn, Brooklyn, old lights out, old light. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Bro- Brooklyn was Brooklyn monster. Yeah. Yeah. It's not always Bigfoot. You know, it's not always old. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. A naming convention for I barley just did wine not know that. old. But yes, I, did not know that. I love it. I love it. I love it. But yes, old lights out because the electricity went out. While the electricity we were went out. When they were starting their lauder, which happened to be okay because they were able to gravity feed it. Correct. And then what did I? I went to my house and I got my generator, and we hooked it up. No, we, I think we you backed your car up and we ran an extension cord. That is right. From I your backed car. my car up to the patio and we ran an extension cord for my car and we ran that pup. And yes. that that pup was the only thing that would be powered by that car. Like it was not like a powerful thing. Yes. And uh, you're right. And we laudered. Yeah. And yeah, then we, we boiled because no big deal. Right. We and then I'm pretty sure the power came back on in time for knockout. It came out, came on just in time yeah. for knockout. Yes. But that is the story behind old lights out. <laughs> but the That's most great. interesting part of it is the polyguile that we did. Um, so yes, explain that, please. Yes. So a polyguile is different from a party guile. I have had many homebrew guys 
try to correct me when I said I did a polygyl to say, mm, I think you meant po- party guile. No, yeah. I, did not. I, meant I don't polygyl. think you know what you're talking about. Right. I meant polygyl. <laughs> Listen to the words coming out of my mouth. So what you do when you're polygyling is you will do basically you're splitting your mash bill, your grain bill, pretty much like in half or however you're going to get it kind of. Yeah. Equal for for like reference, mashes. our like the mash tun at our small system holds thirty pounds. Let's say you want sixty pounds worth of grain for your recipe. Right. Well, now you need to split it because you can't fit right. all that. Right. Or you could do um or three 50. 20 pounds. Yeah, yeah. You could. Uh, so yeah. So let's highly say that, don't recommend. Right. Let's say <laughs> that we wanted. So I think it was something like it was going to be like thirty pounds. So it was right at the max. Yeah. Two so fifteen pound basically kind of split your malt bill and the first 15 pounds, the first mash you're going to do is going to be your base malt, you know, majority or all probably, especially for a barley wine recipe, your first batch is going to be all base malt. Your second batch is going to be maybe a little bit of base malt and then more of your specialty malt. I have read people doing half and half. I can see that. Yeah. I think, I, I, don't I think, think it ends up being like half of one. Yeah. I don't know if um, it makes a difference. I, I think, but what we did at pilot was all base because we were trying to do a lower mash chip that would not kill any enzymes. We're trying to create, just get a bunch of sugar. And then for reasons, I will let you keep explaining. So I did. Not, so I did not interrupt. <laughs> this is this the, the next part of polygon. Right. So you conduct your mash basically like you normally would, and you run off your liquor, your sugar water that you've created. You, uh, you do lauder normally. Is that correct? It's, yeah. Like, like so, you, you lauder like you normally would until you, you get the and lauder into the uh, kettle. Boil kettle. Yes. So what I do is I. So typically my sparge water is 168, 170, which we, which would normally create a mash out in a normal brew. Right. But because what I you do, want to denature those enzymes so they don't. In a normal version. brew. Right. In a normal brew. But for a polyguile, I will sparge at 150. Correct. And the More idea. More of a mash temperature. Yeah. And the idea is I'm not going to denature any of those enzymes. I'm going to have a very nice, like it. It's going to be sweet wort because it's sugar water, but it, it, the idea of like a dry wort, like temperature, like 148, mash at 148, 150, which could be a benefit of doing all pale malt or all baseball versus half and half. But anyways, and then I keep that temperature in the boil kettle about 150. So, and I also do not transfer over the full volume, if that makes sense. I transfer over about 10 gallons. I transfer over the amount of liquid that I would need to mash in the second batch. Correct. So I'm getting the most sugars and I'm not diluting it with any extra liquid I don't need. Right. Right. So then once that's complete, you clean out your mash tun really quick and you reset it with the rest of your grain bill that you didn't use the first. Yeah, exactly. And then we pump over the liquid. So we have this liquid, this wort liquid that is holding it in the kettle. And as we clean out the mash and we're really thorough to get all the grain out, like it's a clean mash done, we use the pump and we pump it back over. Now, one thing I want to add that I've, I've tried before and that I like doing. So after you pump over that good liquid, you still have some liquid in that mash done that you could extract, some sugars that you could extract. 
I have actually taken that out and added it to my sparge water for the next okay. batch. So I saved it to the side. I grayed down. I put all the liquid that we were holding back into the mash tub because that is my mash water. Correct. Right. That's it, yeah. The, the wort that you took from the first mash is now your mash water instead yeah. of using brewing instead of using hot liquor. And then I've added. So after I took that first wort, I stopped and then whatever was left, I gathered it in a bucket. I put it back in my sparge water, which is water. And now this mixture, because now I'm giving you a little bit of sugars to the next batch to sparge. Right. The whole goal is to keep all the sugars. Right. To the best right. of your ability. And do not denature them. Don't right. heat them up because you need them to react with the malt that you're about to add. So now you have this wort, the sugar water that's in your mash chud that is supposed to be water, but it's sugar water. So cool. Yes. And so cool. Yeah. And then when you're now you get to with mash your, it again. Right. And when you're finished with your second mash, you run all of that over. And now you and have, in theory, it should be double the gravity. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Or I, right. it wouldn't be double the gravity if you did your first, if it was, if you split equally in half between your grain, then it would be double gravity. Double the gravity. Right. True. But you, if you're trying to True. get like 1075 or whatever, at this yeah. point, after your second mash, you should be at that gravity. You will have what, an increased gravity. One of my favorite things to do is like when I have that wart that I've collected and I put it back in the dash chud and I just take a gravity of that wart and I'm just like, I, my water, quote unquote, <laughs> is 1052. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I freaking love it. And then you throw the wall back in there. And it's just so much fun because you're just like, oh, I've this is like two to three hours added on to my uh, brew day, but I don't care. But with all that, you have extra everything, right? Extra hops, extra yeast, extra. So there's a that's part of it. But I just right. think it's so fun. I think probably right, but- is so fun. But you also don't have to do that. There's other right, things you can right. do. Right. And you may also call, I've seen people call it um, reiterate brewing. Ah. Uh, but yeah, but then you just continue your brew day as normal and yeah. you've gotten that increased gravity without sacrificing the volume. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Without sacrificing the volume. Because that's the other option is that you could brew, you could put it in less malt, uh, lower volume. It get that high alcohol level, but let's say you, you're set up 15 gallons, but now you just get 10 gallons because you sacrificed the volume. Correct. That's an option. And that's a totally fine option. More yeah. than welcome to do that. Right. Uh, right. And so what I've done is when I've done this specifically again with barley wine, when I've had like a 15 gallon barrel that I want to fill and I yeah. don't, I'm not able to brew 15 gallons of barley wine at a time. Uh, so this is actually two of the next methods we'll talk about is with the, instead of trying to brew, you know, like sacrificing volume, I'm trying to fill up 15 gallons. I do three, five gallon batches, which again is a very long day, but at the end of the day, I do five, you know, identical smaller batches to get that 15 gallons. And I haven't sacrificed 
the ABV or the volume, I've just sacrificed more of my time. Yeah. And that's, you know, blending those together, especially if you're using the same recipe and just doing literally three of the same brews over and over again, then that's another way that you can get that volume with the ABV. Uh, So the time that I did this on my very last batch, I didn't uh, mill all of the grain that I needed and I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting my gravity points. And then like, I open up the refrigerator where the grain is. I'm like, what's this bag of malt in here? <laughs> and realize it is like five pounds of what uh. was supposed to go in my last batch of barley wine. It was already like an eight hour day of just brewing barley wine. Yeah. Uh, so I was tired and I wasn't paying attention. So then the next thing I needed to do, or the next thing that I did was added dry malt extract to the boil to gain those extra gravity points. And particularly when you're doing, you know, it ended up being a 15 gallon uh, batch of barley wine that was going into a bourbon barrel. So having that one five gallon batch that was a little bit low in like malt character, but still had the same gravity points that blending it together, you're not really going to notice that, you know, it, it probably ended up being like an 11.4 beer instead of 11.6. Like you're not going to be able to taste that, but um, that's one of the things that you can do is using malt extract, or like you said, Rachel, adding sugar and making up your gravity points that way. Yep. And you can boil lager, but you will lose volume. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So, and if, yeah. if you do boil longer, thinking about your hop dishes, do not change the time. Yes. If this is 60 minute hop edition, it's a 60 minute hop edition. If you boil for 90 minutes, it's still a 60 minute hop edition. Right. And another thing that I thought was really cool is like one time you and Tom did is uh, like you guys had a barrel and your you and some of your friends everyone brewed a batch of beer Mm -hmm. then they fermented it and they contributed it to the barrel yes so that was a cool way to get a lot of volume without doing some extra work right exactly and a lot of homebrew clubs will do that like a barrel brigade kind of thing uh the only issue you run into with that and i know we did one of the times that we filled the barrel is sometimes you have different um skill levels of brewers and sometimes somebody shows up with some really bad beer which is why usually anytime that we did something like that if we were signed up to brew five gallons we would maybe brew 10 gallons and just keep that extra five gallons to the side in case somebody shows up with their bad like bad homebrew um then you can be like yeah no totally we'll add yours later um you know you guys can go ahead and go yeah we can finish (laughs) up like totally fine and then you just add when you're in control of the barrel. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, when the barrel sleeps in your bedroom with you, which was where our barrels lived when we were in Charlotte, then yeah, you can tell people like, no, 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 you guys, you guys go, you get out of here. We got totally it. Totally got it. Totally got it. We'll finish up and then you just do a little switcheroo. And yeah. you can now use- everyone knows a secret. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Sorry <laughs> if you were listening to this and that was your beer. If you think it was your beer, it was. <laughs> Um, but but yeah, and that's, uh, even with like my double IPA recipe that I brew, I add straight corn sugar in the last five minutes. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's how you also get those gravity points and also get a very dry finish on. We, we do, we do that with pilot with our, 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 
our pilot system is our big system. Our co-pilot system is our small system. We do it with our pilot system. I tend to max out like full grade, full volume, sugar at it. Like 7%, maybe 7.4 is the highest I've got. Now I've done higher gravity beers, but I had to do two and a half barrel batches. So right. I, have a th- I have a three barrel system, but I did two and a half barrel batch because that's what I, I needed the room for the malt. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So and there's then, ways around it. It's just what are you willing to sacrifice? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Basically what it comes down to. Sure. And then I, the last one to talk about is not on a homebrew scale. It's not really that. I, I don't think it's very workable, but it's something that places like Anheuser-Busch, places that have huge amounts oh, yeah, of yeah. brewing will do is high gravity or dilution brewing, as it's also known. And exactly. basically what you're doing with that is making a beer concentrate Yeah, and then either at fermentation or at packaging, you're adding water to it to dilute that. Yeah. So let's say you're making like a 10% beer because you want to dilute it into a 5% beer. Um, So maybe you brew like a, you know, if you need, I don't know, 20 gallons, maybe you brew a 10 gallon high gravity batch and then at packaging or at fermentation, you add the water to dilute it down. So then you have your 20 gallons of like a 5% beer. That's common. uh, Like I've worked at a brewery before where we had a beer that just finished of final gravity wise or you know okay og gravity wise lower than what the malt extract was that we wanted to extract so if you're let's say you're lotterying and you're bringing over the water or the the wart and you're taking once it gets towards the end so the first part of the water has got all the sugars right the last part is not so once you get to a gravity about 1008 you want to stop taking that wart. You don't want that wart anymore. It's going to be astringent. It's not going to be good for your beer. So what brewery I worked at, we would stop at that point, but the gravity was still too high for pure boil. So we would add water to it, but it would also go through the boil process, which was nice because then you know it's sanitized. I always like that better than adding water to the final product because you get to know it's sanitized. On the flip side, I had a friend, I have a friend that works at Coors and he, they, what they do is they do a press slaughter. So they take the mash and they press all the water out of it, all mm-hmm. of it. And then they boil to the appropriate uh, gravity, whatever right. that volume is. Right. Well, he, and typically like, oh, go ahead. I was, gonna, I was just going to finish with it. He once told me that they were mashing out all the grade and they came across a dough bar, uh, a dough bar, a dough ball. That was the size of like a Volkswagen Beetle. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. so much. Just to give you a little idea. How big right. <laughs> right. Usually like high gravity dilution brewing is, yeah, is done when you have limited fermentation space, but not as limited packaging space. Yeah. So with the. Which is totally opposite of pilot. Right, exactly. I could, but if I you're, could serve if it more than I could put in my packaging tape. Right, but if you're someplace, you know, like Anheuser Busch, that has, you know, you're you're making a massive amount of beer all the Makes time. Sense. Yeah, Makes right. Sense. Then you do something like high gravity brewing, where you're you're effectively just making a concentrate. You're fermenting that, and then you add water. Um, most of the time, 
with, I would like on a homebrew level, a lot of times you see it where you're adding water at like when you're starting fermentation, which the whole issue when you're adding water after the boil is you're not sanitizing it again. Exactly. So your water has to be completely sanitized yeah. and sterile. And you, you know, for most homebrew setups, you can do a pretty good job at minimizing like external contaminants, but it's not perfect. Like you're not Anheuser-Busch. No. You don't have completely inline systems no, where no, no, nothing is ever not. going to be exposed to the elements. And then when you're adding water at the packaging step, your water has to be at the exact pH of your beer and it has to be like, there are all these considerations besides it just being sterile. Like yeah. there's, it's, it's something that is highly efficient For and very fetals, effective. Like, oh, so many it's, different things. Yeah. It's something that's highly effect, effective and efficient when you're somebody like Anheuser-Busch and you're, you've got millions of gallons and you've got the process figured out. For most brewers, it's not going to be a good solution because yes if you're using city water and you've got you know chlorophenols in there you have to worry about that you have to worry about the ph you have to worry about like yeah. are, when are you carbonating it you know all there's all these things that make it not a very effective method for home brewers or craft brewers but i you know some of the large breweries like i'm sure sam adams dogfish head like new belgium sure, i'm sure. sure like the larger craft breweries also do high gravity brewing yeah I mean, I, I like for my time at left hand, I don't, I don't think it water was that there's always a little bit of water. Like when you have these big takes and they do a transfer, you have a push to get the rest of the beer out of the line mm-hmm. of the transfer line. There's always like a little bit of water at it. Right. Like that's just the way it is with like these big breweries, but it's always best to do before boil on a small scale if you're at home exactly and you need to add water to bring down your gravity do it before boils so that water is you you'll be fine you'll be fine yep we'll just bring down the gravity and like you don't have to worry about infection right exactly um so yeah but it's you know to round out the conversation about ways you can increase your abv or brew a higher volume batch you know, high gravity dilution brewing is something that's available. It's just not it's, it's very practical if you're not a giant macro brewer. I would also point out the barrel aging might be an option for you. If you can get your hands on a small barrel that has, you know, like some liquor in it or a big barrel, whatever, make a lot of beer like like you guys did. That will increase your alcohol a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Right. Like uh, a little, but usually like around like 1% at the most, most, right. But can't barely age too long. You'd expect more alcohol that won't right. happen. Exactly. Yeah. Like you, you yeah. have, there's a limit where you just get everything and then it starts to turn bad. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, yeah. It's not like when a barrel and a beer love each other very much, they create more alcohol. Like, no, no, no that's not no, how no, that no. works. That's not how that works. <laughs> and don't add alcohol to your beer. That's, that's not cool. Yeah. That's, that's not cool. Illegal sometimes too. If you're yeah, if you're if, a if you're a professional brewer, brewer it's illegal. One hundred percent illegal. If you're a home brewer, it might be liver suicide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So on that note, I think we can wrap up this episode on you know creative ways to work around limited mash ton size and how to brew high ABV beers and higher volumes. Uh, with, you know, with using the equipment you already have. 
So thank you everyone for listening. You can reach out to us at falsebottomgirls.com or at falsebottomgirls at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media at uh, falsebottomgirls on Instagram and Facebook. And I think that's it. Good. Love it. Yes. This has been False Bottom Girls. And we make the Bruin world go round.